0: Turn to Hosea, Hosea, I've been preaching some sermons out of Hosea, and uh, I'm going back to look at a few verses here in Hosea chapter 5, Hosea chapter 5, I'm preaching this morning on the subject, crossing the line, crossing the line. Verse eight, blow you the cornet in Gibeah and the trumpet in Ramah. Cry aloud at Beth-Avon after the old Benjamin. Ephraim shall be desolate in the day of rebuke. Among the tribes of Israel have I made known that which shall surely be. The princes of Judah were like them, notice the next phrase, were like them, that remove the bound. Therefore, I will pour out my wrath upon them like water. Ephraim is oppressed and broken in judgment because he willingly walked after the commandment. Therefore, will I be unto Ephraim as a moth and to the house of Judah as rottenness. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah saw his wound, then went Ephraim to the Assyrian and sent to the king Jareb. Yet could he not heal you nor nor cure you of your wound? For I will be unto Ephraim as a lion and as a young lion to the house of Judah. I, even I, will tear and go away. I will take away and none shall rescue him. I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. In their affliction, they will seek me early. I ask that you please keep your Bibles open because I'm gonna reference some of these to try to give, uh, really, uh, I'd like to teach a little bit this morning, but I might preach a little bit too. He's giving a warning that's evident in, in verse eight, the beginning part, blow you the cornet. That uh, is also used that is word, a word that is used that we know as trumpet. They would blow that uh, when there was certain warnings that went out to the tribe of Israel, to the nation of Israel. The tribes would know what to do. And he says, I I wanna send out a warning to you. And the warning is, is that you have sinned. And then he tells what the sin is. When you get down to the phrase in verse 10, they have removed the bound. There were certain boundaries that God had set. And those lines were drawn and God said, Moving them doesn't change the way that he, he feels about that. Uh, I, I've used the illustration here before. Uh, Candy and I, one time, uh, we, we, uh, we were at a church, at this particular church, and we'd watched this church grow over the years in revivals and different things. And uh, they, they were like most country churches, uh, they were limited on land and we know what it is here to be somewhat landlocked over the years. Uh, one of the building uh, phases of our church here, we had to wait uh, on more land to become available. Do you know, there's not very many flat pieces of ground in Southern Ohio. <laughs> About anywhere you go, if you're coming to Rubyville, I promise you one thing, you'll cross a mountain to get here. Amen. You're gonna have to go over a hill some way. And we locked in somewhat. Well, that's the way this church was. They were growing and God was, was doing great things for them. And we watched them over the years as they continued to grow. They needed more land for parking. They needed more land for buildings. And, uh, and the problem was they were surrounded by neighbors that had the land. And a lot of them didn't want to give up the land. Well, there was one old gentleman that owned the better portion of the land there. And uh, every now and then he'd see the church growing and they would put, uh, he'd drive iron rods down in the ground to mark the boundaries. So what he would do every now and then, he would, uh, he would come along and he'd say to the pastor and, and the leaders, you need some more land? He said, we'll take care of that. So he would pick it up and he'd move it and he'd give them maybe 50 more feet or 100 more feet, drive it in the ground. He said, how about that? Will that do it? And they would say, yes, well, he did that multiple times over his lifetime. Well, he died. And when he died, it was great that he picked up the marker, the boundary. It was great that he drove the boundary in the ground, but he forgot to do one important thing, change the deed. So when he died, the next individual that bought his property when they came to survey the property, they realized, the surveyor, that half of the church property was still in his name. So it didn't become a legal nightmare, but they, they had to do a lot of work, needless to say. And, and the buyers, of course, they were kind and courteous. They could, have, uh, they could have really gotten into a great legal battle, but really, as far as they were concerned, the gentleman was kind enough to say, hey, wait a minute, you, you told us where the boundary was. We didn't know we were getting that anyway. So what can we do to get this changed? So long story short, they thought that they had to. the easiest way was to put it all in his name. And hit, then survey, He paid, they paid for the survey and changed the deed on the church property. But sometimes I think if we're not careful that we think we get spiritual enough that when it comes to God's boundaries, that if there's something that we really don't like, then all we gotta do is just grab the marker, move it, and put it down. Now, that, that's, that's exactly what was happening in this particular passage of scripture. And what makes it worse, and you know that I'm telling the truth on, that, on this, people hate boundaries. They hate absolutes. They hate lines that are drawn in the sand. It's just human nature that any boundary that we have on us, people hate that. And since they hate to be restricted in any way and they they can't get God to change his mind, then we've got to do something. What do we do? Well, write a new Bible. Preach a new sermon. Create a new theology. Just move the boundary. God loves you so much. See, here's the problem. When we talk about God's love, we think that God's love is a permissive love, but real love not only is permissive, it's restrictive. When I married Candy, I stood I stood before the preacher and I stood before a congregation and I stood before God. And when we, when we exchanged our vows, vows of love to each other, it put not only a, a, great, a great blessing of, of permissiveness on us because now we're husband and wife. So we are permitted to live together as husband and wife but it also put restrictions on us. The same love that said to her that for richer, for poor, till death do us part. The same love that brought us together also puts restrictions on us. God put man in the perfect garden. Adam and Eve were in a perfect environment, and God loved. He created man to be able to fellowship with him. He wanted Adam and Eve to worship him, walk with him, talk with him, be be in union with him. But the same God out of love that created man also said out of all of this beautiful garden, it's all yours. You get a name, all of the beasts of the field, the fowls of the air. You get a name, the fish in the sea. All of this is yours. It's a perfect environment. But the same God that gave them all of that great blessing, also put restrictions on them as to say, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. The same God of love that gave them a perfect environment and placed them in a perfect place also said there is a limit. God has boundaries. He loves us so much that he sets boundaries for us. Don't worry, I'm just gonna get to the introduction today because I can tell you probably couldn't handle the rest of it. Well, what kind of boundaries does God place? Well, God puts boundaries, and we ought to be glad he puts boundaries because those same boundaries are not only to give us the knowledge that we need to be in the center of his will, but it also keeps the enemy out. The same blessing of God that says, you operate inside this circle, inside this sphere. If you operate inside that sphere, I will bless you, but also I will protect you from the enemy that's coming. That's what happened. All of these things started coming against them because they removed the boundary. They moved the bounds and when they moved the bounds, they were vulnerable to the enemy. And God said, I've got to get your attention. So he said, there's some things that I put boundaries on. Do you know that he puts boundaries on on the collection that he receives from us? Well, where do you get that? He said, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where the moth and the rust doth not corrupt and thieves do not break in to steal. He says, when we come and give our gift, I know some of you today have come and offered gifts to the Lord. But can I remind you, that's not restricted to this earth. Those gifts are not restricted to an offering plate. Those gifts go to the very heart of God. And God said, I see what you do. And I'm, I'm marking all of that down. I'm keeping a record of that. And by the way, I've got a blessing for you. I'll open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. There's not room in that you can contain it. I'll pour it out on you time and time again, but the good news is the devil can't get in to take it. Thank God I've got something put away that I don't have to worry if the bank fails. I don't have to worry about inflation deteriorating it. I don't have to worry about interest going up. I've laid for myself treasures in heaven and the Lord says you put it there and I'm going to take care of it. He not only puts boundaries on his collection, but boundaries on communication. He said, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. He said, you, you've gotta be limited on what you can say. That is the curse of the modern day world. Say what you wanna say, do what you wanna do, of course. You can say anything you want to say until you use Jesus in the mix. Don't say anything about him. But say anything else you want to say. Do anything else you want to do. Talk about whatever you want to talk about. If you want to talk about certain things, go ahead. But let me tell you something. As Christians, you ought not be talking about one another. I'm moving on there's boundaries for our communication. There's also boundaries for our companions. Now, we're to love everyone, but what I'm talking about is companions that influence you. You can either be influenced for the good or for the evil. The Bible says in Proverbs that if the wise walk with the wise, they'll become wise. But if your companion is a fool, you'll be destroyed. God says if you start looking to the foolish and let that start dictating in your life the direction you ought wanna go, the things you wanna do, and 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 you start letting that influence you to say, I wanna be like that, then it's going to be destroyed and you're gonna be destroyed too. God says I've got boundaries on certain things that you need to associate with. They're just some things, church, we ought not associate with. We ought to just stay away from it. Don't let your good be evil spoken of. We ought to just stay away from it. We ought to say, give me, Lord, some restraints and boundaries in my life that if I don't go there, then I don't have to worry about people losing confidence in me. I don't have to worry about ruining my testimony. I don't have to worry about being out of fellowship with you. I don't have to worry about meeting you in judgment. Lord, just put some boundaries on me that I walk the right walk with the right people and do the right things and then Lord it'll all turn out right. He puts boundaries too on our considering. He understands our thought afar off. When we start considering certain things and think about certain things for too long a period of time then we will be destined to do that. You know you can Take things in your mind, and if you wall it around long enough, over and over and over again, pretty soon you'll convince yourself that it's right, even if it's not right. You'll justify it, you will. So he said, you need to be careful of your thoughts. Think think on things that are pure and holy and honest and good. Think on heavenly things. Let our thought be consumed with God and his blessings on our life. Don't be thinking about where you're going to dinner today. You could have made your mind up on that before you left the house. Don't be thinking about who's winning the ball game right now somewhere. There's one going 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now, some of you can't even sit through one service without watching your watch and watching your phone. You're in God's house. Consider the things of God think on the Lord Think on how God has been so good to you. Think about what you were and where you were headed before you met the Lord. Think about the sin that had you bound. Think about the direction you were going. Think about the moment that you came to him and confessed your sin. Have you, if you're lost today, have you given any consideration to how this is all gonna wind up, how eventually one day you're going to meet God? Have you given any consideration whatsoever about the road you're traveling and what the end of that road leads to. Consideration. Have you considered what the wrong choice, if you make it, what it will cost you? Have you considered, am I, am I doing the right thing? Am I going the right way? Consideration. No wonder the writer said, Consider him. Do you give any thought to Jesus? How many times a day does he cross our mind? How much do we think about him? I assure you, there's a lot of distractions to try to distract the best of us today from considering him.